Welcome to the Elephant Dialogues. I'm your host, Bryson Alley, and today we're talking about how to be bold in our convictions, especially as it relates to sexual assault and the Me Too movement. But the tools we talk about can be used in politics in general. My co-host today is my friend Morgan Reber. She's the host of her own podcast called She Speaks, where she explores topics relating to feminism and faith, especially within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, In fact, I was a guest on her podcast last year. We had a great uh, discussion about pornography. So go check out her podcast as well. I'll provide a link in the show notes. Anyway, this episode is a little different than the ones we've done in the past because up until now, we've really focused on how to understand others better and how to listen well, because I really believe that's more than half the battle in improving our political conversations. We've talked about seeking to understand others' motivations, how to ask good questions, and the power of expressing gratitude for our differences. But what about the times when we need to make our position clear without equivocating or apologizing? There are truths that we should stand up for, and there are ways to do that productively and powerfully. In Captain America Civil War, Sharon Carter has a great line about standing your ground. The line is actually adapted from a longer quote by Captain America in the original comic, so I'll read that one. Doesn't matter what the press says, doesn't matter what the politicians or the mobs say, doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. America has developed a culture of contempt, a habit of seeing people who disagree with us, not merely as incorrect or misguided, but as worthless. We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together. It was an opportunity to practice empathy. There's a huge empathy deficit in our culture. We don't need to disagree less. We need to disagree better. Toward what our President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. Thank you for joining me, Morgan. This is awesome. I'm Thanks really excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Today, as we're talking about sexual assault, I thought it might be good to start by uh, defining some of the terms. Yeah. So for you, what, what does sexual assault mean? What does it entail? And what are we talking about? I would define it personally um, as non-consensual attention of a sexual nature. Okay. I believe that sexual assault doesn't have to just be touching. Mm -hmm. It can be talking. Um, It can be time. It can be, um, it can be kind of like a variety of things. But when someone demands kind of like intimate attention Mm -hmm. or comes into your intimate space um, without an agreement beforehand, Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, it is a form of sexual assault. And, and I would want to clarify that there are many different levels of mm-hmm. sexual assault, obviously. Right. Um, and there are many different situations. And some are a lot more gray than others. Some are very, very black and white. Some are very clear. Um, some are very nuanced and very, very difficult to understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I would define it. Cool. I loved that you talked about if it was unwelcome and if, if it made you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that does really play into the gray area because it kind of depends on the person, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Um, what is sexual assault for one person might not be sexual assault for someone else okay. um, because every person sets their own boundaries, which is why communication is so important. Okay. And I really do believe that clear communication is the key to respectful interactions with other people. Will you tell us a little bit about why this is something you're so passionate about? I will. Um, 
So I have always been very, very passionate about women and women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just have a deep and abiding love for women. And you are one, so that's. I really am good. a woman. <laughs> I am a woman. Um, I think that I grew up in a very kind of female centric home. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a single mom for like a long time before yeah. my mom got remarried. Um, aunts, female cousins, grandmothers. I grew up in kind of like a matriarchal home. And um, I saw a lot of the difficulties that my aunts and my cousins and my grandmother would go through. And so I think I kind of became a little feminist from the very, very beginning. And um, I remember, I think I was maybe like five before I had my first really like real relationship with like a man mm. okay. <laughs> um, and in my life. And it took me like, I, I think that it took me a while to be able to like under, understand men. Um, I remember reading Bringing Up Boys by Dr. James Dobson and that helped me kind of fall mm. in love with the male gender and helped me appreciate and like respect and love and understand them. And so I do think that gender issues have always been a very um, important thing to me. I think that it, it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind until I went off to college. And, and I wouldn't even say like I really thought about it until I came home for my mission. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's when I really started noticing gender roles. Okay. And they started, I think that as a woman, as you start getting older, your role as a woman starts, people start bringing it up mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think that situations with dating made me think very, very hard about what I thought was right and mm-hmm. what I thought was appropriate and, and how to kind of navigate some very, very difficult situations that in the beginning just left me feeling frustrated and bitter. Yeah. Um, but I felt like there have got to be solutions to this. Yeah. Like we, we can't keep going through these miscommunications that just leave us feeling so hurt and so hateful. Yeah. I started talking with people mm-hmm. about their own um, situations, like their own experiences. And I began picking up patterns and I began realizing nobody is talking to us really about what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, people are kind of handing us this uh, kind of one size fits all band-aid of just say no Okay. And I would say that generally that's a pretty ineffective solution mm-hmm. for a lot of these situations. Um, it's not clear communication, and it doesn't really prepare you for some of these very, very nuanced situations that you're going to be in. It, it kind of comes with the idea that sexual assault is always going to be a very black and white situation. Right. It's always going to be um, a man assaulting a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always going to involve like a clear communication on your part. Mm-hmm. And from my own experience and from the experience of the women and men that I've talked to, that's not normally the case. Like I would say that that is the minority of situations. Right. I'm really excited to have you here to talk about kind of how do we address those more gray area situations? How do we recognize them, first of all? Mm-hmm. And then how do we respond? Why do you think it's so hard to recognize sexual assault when it's happening? I would say there are a lot of reasons. Let me just kind of go down the list. One reason is that normally it happens with people that we either care about, Mm -hmm. people that we know, Mm -hmm. people that we've just met, people that we want to impress, people that we respect, um, people who we don't see as villains. And I think a lot of times we think the person who assaults me will be a villain. Mm -hmm. And so if I look out for like a creepy person or like a villain, like it'll be easy for me to say no. But when you're in that moment, it can be so hard to make like the mental jump between this is someone who I care about and respect Mm -hmm. to like I suddenly have to defend myself against them. And I I think that for most of us, when we're in those situations, 
it becomes impossible to yeah. very quickly suddenly make this mental shift mm. yeah. to start thinking that way. And so I think that mentally we are either like, we see it with such like a black and white paradigm mm-hmm. that we don't notice when these nuanced situations are happening. And I would say that the majority of sexual assaults happen in a nuanced situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that another reason is that we're not prepared. We don't go into a situation thinking, I might be mm-hmm. assaulted tonight by someone who I care about and who might be a good person in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we want to give people like the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, we don't want to be abrasive. This is something that I've, I, I feel like both men and women do this. I am a woman, and so I feel like I, I understand this quality from, from women a little bit more intimately, but women want to be chill. Like women want to be good hostesses. Like right. I think that something, I, I feel like one of the most hurtful things that a man can say to a woman is that you're crazy or you're yeah. psycho or you're overreacting, you're being too emotional. And so I think that women work extra hard to not come across that way. Right. And sometimes we feel like the only preventative measures we can take are by being abrasive and by being, and, and by overreacting. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Right. I would say that another reason Um, I have been in situations where days after the fact, I'm still asking myself, was it a sexual assault? Mm -hmm. Like, was I assaulted? I I don't know. Um, I think that a lot of times we feel like we don't have the right to call it a sexual assault because we never got up the courage to say no. Mm -hmm. We didn't say yes. We didn't give consent, but we didn't say no. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like, well, I'm responsible for what I didn't say. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like it's really my place to say yes or no. Someone is responsible for what they said or what they didn't say because I think sometimes people have this idea, well, like, you know, you just need to speak up for yourself. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And it's not that simple when you're in that situation. It's really not that simple, Mm -hmm. especially especially if it's not something that you've prepared or is not instinctual. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be really hard to recognize sexual assault when it's something that, like, is a little bit more hard to nail down. Like maybe someone didn't reach for your genitalia, but they did ask you some very like personal sexual mm-hmm. questions about yourself. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's easier to recognize them after the fact than it is going into them. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I wanted to talk about today is yeah. how to recognize them going into them versus just when you come out of them. Yeah. It's kind of the boiling pot idea that if you're in the water, it's hard to tell as it just gets warmer and warmer where the line is. Mm-hmm between just kind of weird, okay, that was kind of a weird question, and then where's the line where that was over the line, right? That was sexual Mm -hmm. assault. And so maybe that's why looking back on it, it's easier to say, oh, that was definitely across the line. But when you're in the moment, it's hard to recognize as things progress, right? Absolutely. Um, And also, I I do think that we don't want to see these things. We're not Mm -hmm. looking for them. We're not looking for red flags. Um, So I started thinking a lot about this a couple months ago. And I started talking to a lot of people who have been the victims of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And I started making lists. Okay. And I eventually boiled down those lists to, to like basically a few umbrella principles. What are some of those red flags? Just really quickly. I know we don't have to go through the whole list. but No, absolutely. So I have a list of pretty common red flags. Like mm-hmm. it might not cover every red flag. Right. Um, but th- there are some specific behaviors to kind of watch out for. Okay. Can I say real quick yeah, before we jump in? Absolutely. I think this is really helpful, not only for women, but mm-hmm. for men. Absolutely. Because I feel like a big problem is men don't understand what sexual assault means. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that they might be doing it 
pretty frequently. So going into this, mm-hmm. if you're a man, check yourself against these things. You know, Use this list for your own edification as well. Absolutely. And I, I do kind of want to say, like, like I, I have uh, three principles that I want to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like as a reminder, um, something to think about for people who want to avoid being assaulted and also people who want to avoid assaulting others. Cool. Very cool. Um, I think that I know of men and women who've been assaulted. I know of women, men and women who have assaulted other people. Mm-hmm. I actually was up late last night trying to think through my mind, have I ever without meaning to assaulted anyone on a date. And so anyway, so I think that this is something that like for each of us, it's it's something that's like really, really important to kind of go down like these lists and be really, really conscientious. Awesome. Um, so the first one I would say is isolation. If a date is happening far away from people mm-hmm. or, 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 or rendezvous or, or whatever you want to call it, or it's late at night, um, it's, it's in kind of like a foreign setting where mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's at one of their friends' houses where you don't know anyone else. Mm-hmm. But basically, you are isolated away from people who um, are there to support you, people who know you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's just one. Another one is obligation. Um, I can't tell you how many assaults I have heard about that happen because people feel like they owe somebody else. Okay. They feel like um, this person paid for my date, this person mm-hmm. is driving me, this person is my boss, this person mm-hmm. is a gatekeeper in some way in my life, and I'm just going to quickly going. To, I'm going to define gatekeeper. A gatekeeper is someone who guards the gate mm-hmm. of between you and where you need to be, okay. whether that's like in your job. Maybe they might prevent you from obtaining success in your job. Um, it might be the person who's driving you home at night. Okay. the person who is making sure that you're safe. So it is someone who has more power than you do in a certain social situation. Someone you depend on for yeah, something. Exactly. Okay. And so there is it's really really it's so hard to really make sure that there is complete consent in a mm-hmm. situation where one person is the gatekeeper. Right. Um, because there will always be that dynamic. There will always be that factor of I'm relying on you in this way, and I don't know how you're going to react if I say no. Right. So there's there is there can be like an element of fear. Um, so if you are a gatekeeper, keep in mind mm-hmm. that someone might feel obligated to you, and you're going to have to work extra hard to make sure that you do have real consent. Um, also, if you are in a situation where you know that someone else will be a gatekeeper, if if they're going to be paying for your date, if they're going to be driving you around, that is a situation in which you might subconsciously feel like your options are more limited than than the actual than like they actually are mm-hmm. based on this power dynamic. Also, another form of obligation is already being in a relationship with someone. Mm. Um, I've talked to plenty of people who feel like they were assaulted by a partner mm-hmm. who they loved. And um, I think that this happens all the time. They feel like, you know, I owe my partner this affection. I owe them my body. Like, I owe them mm-hmm. my attention. I owe them my time. Right. And um, this especially happens after people um, have laid down boundaries, but then those boundaries get crossed again and again and again by partners who feel like, oh, like, I'm sorry, I keep slipping up. Like, I'll do better next Mm -hmm. time. That is sexual assault. Um, Manipulation. Um, This is another really big red flag that people don't always look out for. But I've been in really weird situations at least twice due to just playing truth or dare. Interesting. And 
truth or dare can be a form of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Another game's like that. Um, asking someone like, well, don't you think I'm attractive? Um, there's also like the owing mm-hmm. dynamic again. Um, another one is porn prevention. A lot of times in a relationship, there can be manipulation where there is kind of either a spoken or unspoken understanding that in if you want me to stay away from porn, you need to be more like this or you need oh, to give me this in this way. Um, another one is I'm just really horny. People tend to excuse their behavior mm-hmm. by saying, oh, I just can't control myself. Mm-hmm. Um, another one and one that I think probably the one that drives me the most insane is transference of responsibility. Anyone who says you're so pretty I can't control myself I was going to ask about that with the yeah. last one, but yeah, it, it, if it's framed as a compliment. Another one is you came on to me first. Mm. If you did come on to someone first, but then they took it further, that's not your fault. Right. And this is something that I've seen a lot where if you notice that someone is not taking responsibility for certain behaviors and certain actions and they're trans, like in, in, in a flirty way or not, they're mm-hmm. transferring that responsibility onto you, get out. That's a red flag. Yeah. Um, and then the last one is just disrespect. Um, I've noticed, and this has been, this is just a common theme for some people. If someone is disrespectful of you, of your intelligence, mm-hmm. um, of your job, of your dreams, just when you're around them, if they generally show like some level of disrespect, yeah. like it doesn't mean that they're going to respect you in other ways. Right. I guess that's kind of the base of everything mm-hmm. is a lack of respect, a lack of respect of boundaries, of communication of rules, right? Absolutely. So if we recognize some of those red flags or recognize that we are in a situation, what can we do? How can we prepare for that? Um, I think that one of the main reasons why people struggle in the situation to make it stop Mm -hmm. is because it's not instinctual. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not prepared for it. Like I said earlier, like it's really hard to just say no when it's not a very, very black and white situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad is really, really, really into like safety prevention. Okay. Um, he works at like a gas and oil company. And so like he's all about safety uh, and prevention. Yeah. And um, growing up, he would make us do these drills just mm. over and over and over again. And when I was on my mission, there was a situation where there was a break-in and I had been trained and I, and I had in my mind what I would do in different situations because mm-hmm. I went through these trainings growing up. And in that moment, I wasn't afraid. Oh, cool. And I acted purely out of instinct, and, and we were safe. And um, not to throw my companion underneath the bus, <laughs> um, but she was very, very scared. Yeah. And it wasn't something that she'd really thought about, like, what would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. If we don't make plans about what we're going to do in specific situations, we're going to have to make decisions in the moment. Yeah. And that— and that's where we lose time. That's where we lose mm-hmm. um, the ability to like cognitively really understand what's going mm-hmm. on and make those decisions. Um, so there are three P's that I created that have been very, very helpful to me in dates um, or just situations interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also be used to help you not commit assault. <laughs> right. um, they can be used both ways. Okay. So the first P is power. Okay. Um, it is really important to create an equal power dynamic. I talked a little bit earlier about gatekeepers, mm-hmm. um, and that's that that totally plays in here. Um, we tend to make subconscious decisions or feel like our decisions are limited based on power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, someone picks me up for a date. Someone pays for me. Mm-hmm. I suddenly feel 
like this person has put in so much effort Mm -hmm. and I owe them. I was on a date one time, blind date, never met this person before. Mm -hmm. And they spent, I think around like a hundred bucks on the first date. And it gave me so much anxiety to think about, I would not be able to be true to myself without looking like a jerk. Mm. And this is what I was worried about the entire date. Like I couldn't even enjoy it because because this person had paid so much for a date, was driving me around, picked me up from my home. I felt completely at their mercy. And I felt like I could not make decisions that actually felt right for me without looking like a jerk. Mm. Um, And I think that um, we tend to feel like our options are limited Mm -hmm. um, if someone is driving us home or if someone paid for our date. And so I actually have a rule for myself and not everyone else has to do this, but I have a rule for myself that before I truly, truly know and trust someone, I pay for myself and I drive myself. And it's not personal and it's not meant to emasculate anyone. has nothing to do with that. It helps me feel powerful when I am dealing with other people. It makes me feel like I can say no because I don't owe anyone anything. Nobody earned the right to my affection. And that kind of goes into my next point. Um, sex and affection cannot be bought, owned, or earned in any way. Mm-hmm. No one can earn your affection. No one can earn your time. I cannot tell you how many people, I'm just going to say people, for me it's guys, for guys it would be girls, right. or, or whoever, whoever you're dating, whatever kind of relationship you're in, who've said, well, just give me a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm a good guy. Like, okay. I deserve this. Some people do feel like they deserve your attention. Some mm-hmm. people do feel like they deserve your affection. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. And I think that every person needs to internalize my attention, my time, um, my affection cannot be bought, owed, or earned Mm -hmm. in any way. I've seen, I have three sisters, and Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot, especially uh, in the church community, I've heard it said a lot that just give him one date, just give him him a chance. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's problematic? So problematic. No one inherently deserves a chance. I'm really sorry to all those nice guys out there. (laughs) I've had so many guys say to me, well, I'm a nice guy. Well, I'm a nice guy. I have actually been on dates where I, and I I say dates, I'm thinking of one in, I'm taking two. I'm thinking of two in particular where um, I thought the date was going great. For one of them was a second date. For one of them was a first date. I thought that I, these people were so respectful. They were really, really nice guys. They let me go on my feminist spiel. <laughs> like they were super, super supportive. Uh-huh. And then later on the, in the date, it completely flipped. Mm. And they were totally different people. And and I was assaulted. And I didn't know what to do in those situations. Mm. And I wasn't looking out for red flags. Mm. I would say just completely take pity dates off the table. Mm. Nobody earns your time. No, n- like nobody is owed your time. Right. I feel like that kind of goes back to this this idea of obligation. Mm-hmm. We need to take obligation completely out of the equation. Right. And if you don't feel comfortable going on a date with somebody, even if it's the first date, you mm-hmm. don't need to, right? That, that That is a good enough reason. That is a good enough reason. Um, I'm going to bring that up in just okay. a second. Yeah. Um, so I've talked about gatekeeper positions. Mm-hmm. So that's the first P, right? Is is, is power. Power, power yeah. yeah. And so just kind of like this like last section of that Um I was, I've been in a situation with an employer of mine mm-hmm. that was very, very, very difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in that situation, it wasn't a situation that I was prepared for mm-hmm. at all. Um, and I did not know what to do because a huge factor in my decision was fear for my job. Right. And 
being afraid of embarrassing my employer, Mm -hmm. someone who I did respect and care about. Um, But I did not have an opportunity to give consent or retract Mm -hmm. consent because of that unequal power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was something that was very, very, very difficult. And I don't think that people often really think about just how problematic that is, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the situation of an employer. Like if you are an employer, what you're doing is probably illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, But in other gatekeeper situations, gatekeepers need to understand that you need to either create an equal power dynamic or you need to be extremely careful Mm -hmm. and extremely clear in your communication. And I think that a lot of these people who, you know, they get up to like the Supreme Court or like they, like they get up to wherever mm-hmm. or like presidents, presidential candidates, like like, like whoever. Yeah. Um, they, I don't know, I, I, I feel like I do, I do want to kind of clarify that I do not see all um, perpetrators of sexual assault as villains. I don't mm-hmm. think that they are. Yeah. I think that there can be a lot of miscommunication that happens. I do think that selfishness doesn't necessarily make one like an overall horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been assaulted by people who I still care about a lot and respect. Yeah. I think that um, people in positions of power have an extra responsibility to be extremely careful. Yeah. And whether that's just driving someone home on a date, you have to be extremely careful yeah. um, being in that position of power. So the next P that I mm-hmm. want to talk about that, that you're bringing up was permission. Okay. Um, you ultimately have every permission you need to make whatever decision you feel is right. Mm. I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, I need a really good reason to leave or I need a really good reason to say no or I need a really good reason to not go out with this person. Like, Mm. I don't have a good reason to not go out with this person. Not wanting to is a good reason. Feeling uncomfortable is a good reason. You don't need some tangible reason. You don't need proof of Mm -hmm. anyone being a psycho. Mm -hmm. Like, you you have permission to say no at any time, at any point. Um, even if you were the one who initiated the interaction, if mm-hmm. you suddenly feel like it's going into a place that you don't feel comfortable about, you have permission to say no and you have mm-hmm. permission to stop it. Um, I think also it's really important for everyone to feel like they have permission to take inventory of their feelings throughout mm-hmm. interactions with people mm-hmm. and to really honor those feelings. Yeah. Your feelings give you permission to make decisions. I think that we don't always, like, like I can say that, mm-hmm. I don't always believe it, even when I'm in those situations. I say it, and I know that someday I'm going to be in another situation where I'm going to feel like I don't have permission for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Not to get too personal, um, I remember being in a situation where it took me like 20 minutes trying to Mm -hmm. think— of a good reason to leave, like a yeah. reason that would embar- wouldn't like, like embarrass the other person, a reason that mm. wouldn't make me look like I was overreacting. Mm. There was another situation where I literally had an anxiety attack and cried, and the person wouldn't stop, and I couldn't think of a real reason for them to leave. And I think that that is a problem that a lot of people face is knowing that they have permission mm-hmm. to just say, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm not. I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tired. Like I have stuff to do. Please leave. Yeah. Um, you don't have to come up with some like elaborate excuse at the end of the day. Um, and no one can take permission from you. No one can take permission to have access to your body or your time. And I think that in the converse, it is really, really important to seek permission mm-hmm. at every point. Yeah. Um, just because someone's okay with kissing doesn't mean that they're okay with second base or whatever. Right. Like, just because someone is flirting with you 
doesn't mean that, you know, that they want X, Y, or Z. Permission is something that might not seem quite so romantic. It might not seem like, <laughs> oh, we're getting swept up in the moment or whatever. Um, but you know what else isn't romantic? <laughs> Rape. <laughs> Rape or sexual assault allegation. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, these things are not romantic, but respect is romantic. Yeah. And respect means seeking permission. Yeah. Have you ever seen, there's a YouTube channel called Pop Culture Detective. Have you ever seen any of their videos? They do kind of video essays. Um, and he talks a lot about kind of the misogyny that is kind of everywhere in movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. And how movies and the media portray romance. And mm-hmm. and how getting, like you said, getting swept up in the moment and mm-hmm. is portrayed as being romantic and cool. Um, but a lot of the time, it actually is assault that we're seeing romanticized. Um, so I'll link to that. It was really eye-opening for me to see just kind of how pervasive it is and how we see it as romanticized, and, and it's the heroes that are doing it, and it's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. I think that's fascinating. I feel like I've talked to a lot of girls who have also said, like, no, like, like that's that's so dorky if you mm. ask, like, can I kiss you or can I, like, touch you in this way? Like, is this okay? Like, Like, I just want him to just, like— take me and Mm. blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I think this is really problematic. I've talked to a lot of guys who have said like that deep down, they feel like women secretly have rape fantasies. Mm. Consent is a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. It's not a soft yes. Mm. It's not a lack of a no. Mm. It's a resounding yes. Yeah. So it is really safe to assume that you might not have consent if someone seems uncomfortable. If someone seems uncomfortable, for heaven's sake, stop. Yeah. And un- like understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Try to figure out and to try to have a clear communication. Right. Um, that will be so much more appreciated. And I do think that, you know, people do get like swept up in the moment. There's hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if you get swept up in your own hormones at someone else's expense, yeah. it's going, you, like you are liable right. for, for that lack of self-control. Right. Okay, so uh, the first two P's are power and permission, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, this last one is prevention. Okay. So I'm going to be very clear and mm. say that you are never responsible for any sort of sexual assault that happens to you. If you are a victim, then you are a victim. It's not your fault. And so I do want to make that very, very, very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like how, you know, if somebody comes in and like, robs you, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Like you did not make that happen. If you set up burglar alarms, it's a lot less likely to happen. Right. But whether or not like in either situation, right. it's still not your fault. That's a good analogy, I think. Yeah. Um, so these are ways to set up burglar alarms. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I think it's really important to before you go out with someone, like when you're in the process of getting to know someone, take the time to figure out for yourself what your boundary is with that person. Okay. Um, if you decide that beforehand, you were you will be more likely to communicate it. You will be more likely mm-hmm. to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also keep in mind that it doesn't have to be the same for every person. Mm. But it is also, if you decide that right away and you communicate that, you will feel so much more confident. You will feel so much stronger mm-hmm. in those situations. And you can feel more confident that they understand and that there's, there, there's a greater likelihood that they will respect your boundaries yeah. if you decide beforehand and you communicate those. 
this this one is a very okay. I'm I will never ever ever say that modesty is an issue. Sexual assault happens regardless mm. of what people are wearing. Right. I've seen it happen to missionaries. I've seen it happen to people who are wearing barely anything. Like it right. it really doesn't. It has no bearing on the yeah. situation. Um, what does have a bearing on the situation is discussion. Um, expectations can subconsciously be set by the types of conversations that are had. If you're out with someone and you have a deeply personal sexual conversation with someone Mm. and then you don't communicate what your expectations are for that relationship, it can be very easy for that person to misunderstand you and to think that, well, because we're talking about this, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day who was telling me that there's there's like a statistic that, um, I don't know if it's like 100% or, but like a huge number of um, extramarital affairs happen because people who are married to other people start having sexual conversations Interesting. and start confiding in someone else about very deeply personal things. Right. So those are my three Ps. Do you have advice on the last one, prevention, and talking about boundaries? Mm-hmm. Do you have advice for when do you bring that up? Is it at the beginning of the date? Or do you have tips for how to say like, oh, that's a boundary for me in the moment? Mm-hmm. So I, I dated someone who actually did a great job at this. Okay. Um, and, and he was very, very smooth about the way that, that he said it, and I wasn't offended at all. Cool. So we were making out, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like our first time making out, and I went to go do something that I thought in my eyes was normal mm-hmm. and that anybody would want. Mm-hmm. And in his eyes, that was something that was beyond his boundary. And so what he said was, oh, like, like that feels good, but it's not something that I feel comfortable with. Okay. And so it didn't make me feel like I was like a bad person or like I did something yeah. bad. It, I just kind of realized, oh, like that's his boundary. And um, and and like and what he chose to do was he chose to say that in the moment, but it brought up a discussion later mm-hmm. that like, okay, like what are what are our boundaries? Let's like talk what's about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about that. It, it it did bring up that conversation. Um, something that I've started doing, I kind of bring it up alongside how I, you know. I make it impersonal mm-hmm. and I say, you know, like this is just a rule that I have. Like I've been in some bad situations before, like as everyone else has, you know, nothing new. But the ways that I am taking strength in myself mm-hmm. and in and, and ways that I am protecting myself is I pay for myself. I drive myself. This is my boundary until I say that it's not. Yeah. Um, and it's not personal, but like this is just how it is. And I feel like it's almost less awkward if you talk about it before it actually comes up. Yeah. Um, because it, it just makes it really, really clear. So it's just like, you know, I care about you. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be in a position where you misunderstand my intentions. Yeah. Um, I know that that's a thing that guys are really, really worried about right now is being accused of sexual assault when they didn't understand that that's what mm-hmm. was going on. And so this is something that I'm going to do to also protect you. I'm going yeah. to clearly communicate what my boundaries are to you. I think that's really powerful and really skillful communication because it doesn't paint them as the villain. Mm-hmm. It's not a... Uh, how dare you do that thing mm-hmm. when they may not, like you said, have been aware that it was mm-hmm. a boundary for you, but it 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 does make it very clear that that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to challenge somebody on how they feel, right? It's very hard to say, no, yes. that's not how. <laughs> so it's a very powerful way to say, uh, this is how I feel and th- these are my boundaries because you're not labeling them Mm-hmm. as anything that they can then challenge or push back on. You're simply stating how you feel. I absolutely agree with that. Um, after a sexual assault happens, 
I think that sometimes we tend to never talk to that person again. Mm. And we leave them with this idea that what they did was fine, maybe not. I don't know. Like, like there's no clear clear communication. Or we have this idea, like, I need to confront my attacker. Mm-hmm. And I need to, like, let them know that, like, they attacked me, they assaulted me. Yeah. I had a really unique experience where um, I felt like someone had assaulted me and I thought it was very, very clear. And they obviously didn't Mm -hmm. think that that happened. Like they called me a week later, they were just talking about their day. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of flabbergasted. And I was like, do you understand that like this is what you did? And they immediately denied it. And they were like, no, like I didn't do that. Like I don't remember that happening at all. Like Mm -hmm. I had a very, very different experience. And for me, it was very frustrating because I felt like like not only did this happen to me, but now I'm being treated like I'm delusional. Yeah. Um, but I changed tactics halfway through the conversation and I said, you might not have known this, but this mm. is how I felt. Right. And he completely changed tones. And yeah. he was like, I am really sorry. I did not know that that's how you felt. I should have been more like aware of your mm-hmm. body language. I should have been more of what you're aware of, like what you were trying to communicate to me. I will try to be better about that with other people in the future. The ball's in your court. If you don't ever yeah. want to talk to me again, like that's fine. Mm. You have my number. If you do, wow. like it's up to you. But when when I changed tones and I said, you, you might not have understood this, Maybe it wasn't clear to you. I thought it was clear to me. Maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't clear to you. But this is how I felt. And I never said the word assault. I never said attack or anything like that. And and I I want to be careful because like I'm not. I don't want to be over here like just like shielding sexual predators. Like that's not my intention. Right. Um, but I do think that people need to understand that like if you want to have a conversation where there is growth and understanding, mm-hmm. you can't paint you can't paint people as the villain. They're not going to listen right. to you. Hi guys, Bryson here from the future. I want to jump in here just briefly because what Morgan is describing is a really powerful tool for conversation, and it's similar to a technique described in the book, Crucial Conversations. The authors of that book suggest that when we need to make our position known, a powerful tool is described by the acronym STATE. So let's look at what each letter stands for. The first letter is S, and that stands for Share Your Facts. For this step, we want to describe what we saw heard, or experienced. And if we can keep this very uh, clinical and unbiased, it becomes very hard for the other person to push back because we're simply describing what we experienced. We know what we saw, we know what we heard, and we're simply providing that experience for the understanding of the other person. The next letter in state is T, which stands for tell your story. So every time we see or hear or experience something, Our brain very quickly formulates meaning and stories in those events. That's how we derive meaning from anything. And that's what we're talking about here. And I've heard Brene Brown talk about this idea as well. And my wife and I use it all the time. When we're upset about something, it's really easy to go to the other person and say, you know, the story I'm telling myself about this is dot, dot, dot. It's a powerful way to present our concerns without using accusations or labeling the other person as the bad guy. So that's what tell your story means. Explain the conclusions you came to after seeing the events as you described them. So that's the S and the T. The third letter in state is A, and that stands for ask for others' paths. So after you've described what you saw or what you heard, and you've now explained the meaning that you've given those events, ask the other person if they interpreted those events differently. Ask for their paths. Ask for their stories. 
You don't have to change your position based on their stories, but it allows for respectful conversation and allows for them to present their own stories and their own side of the issue. The last two letters of this acronym, STATE, describe more how we should speak while having these conversations. The T stands for talk tentatively. That doesn't mean you have to be ashamed of your position or be apologetic in how you describe your conclusions. It simply means we don't jump to accusations or labels. We are simply describing the events as we saw them and describing the conclusions that we have come to. So that's talk tentatively, and the last letter in the acronym STATE is E, and that stands for Encourage Testing. Again, this kind of goes along with the asking for others' paths, but it means we encourage others to share their experience and provide feedback. This is very much in line with the idea of this podcast, where if we are blind men trying to understand an elephant, we should look for other people's experiences and how those might fill in our blind spots. So that's the acronym STATE. Share your facts, tell your story, ask for others' paths, and as we do that, make sure we are talking tentatively and encouraging testing. This is a powerful way to stand your ground and make your opinions and conclusions heard without triggering a flight-or-flight response or escalating a conversation. Okay, back to our conversation with Morgan. Um, Something that I did want to bring up is I feel like I've been consistently disappointed with the way that our country has handled some pretty high-profile sexual assault cases. I do want to talk about these a little bit. I know one of our huge conversations when we were working together was about Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. As he was becoming the appointee for the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And he was all wrapped up in accusations of sexual assault. Yeah. What were your feelings on that? Um. I was really, really frustrated. I I personally know how hard it is to speak out about something like that. Mm-hmm. Even when you know that you're right. I, I don't know, like sexual assault isn't this like black circle with a clearly defined edge. Mm-hmm. It's a black circle with a gray gradient that goes on for a while. Right. So what happened to you could be anywhere in there. Mm-hmm. And other people on the outside might say, well, where's like the clearly defined line? And yeah. the sad thing is there's not one. Right. Like th- there simply isn't. Um, every different situation is going to be so different. It's going to be so nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, Which makes it t- really hard when we're looking for proof or exactly. undeniable like, oh, he for sure did this, mm-hmm. did X or Y, right? Exactly. Um, not that long ago, there's a journalist named E. Jean Carroll, um, pretty high-profile writer, um, who came out with a book about, I don't remember the title, but it was like the most horrific men in her life. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was a list of men who have assaulted her in some way. Yeah. One of the men who did assault her in her life was President Trump. Mm-hmm. And the way that she handled this rape from the very beginning is kind of different than, than the way Dr. Ford mm-hmm. handled it. Um, So what E. Jean Carroll did was she told someone on the day that it happened, Mm -hmm. and she kept mementos in like a record. Mm -hmm. And so she has evidence. When you talk to someone on the day that it happens or very soon, Mm -hmm. um, and they're able to corroborate your story um, from that date, that is seen as being a witness. That's seen Mm -hmm. as being evidence. Um, I had a situation where... I wasn't sure if I would ever want to take this person to court. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I wasn't sure if this was just the mistake, a mistake that someone made, or if 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 it was predatory behavior from someone who would continue to engage in this kind of behavior. And so what I did is I took screenshots mm. of of conversations. Um, I told um, key people, and I said, you know, the only reason why I'm telling you this is to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not out to destroy anyone's life. I'm not here to, you know, ruin anyone's reputation. Yeah. But we think that, you know, like it's something that was personal that happened to me. How can I possibly have evidence? Mm-hmm. There are things that you can do. Take screenshots of conversations. Um, tell people um, what happened. Maybe you don't need to tell everyone, but tell like a few key people pretty soon after it happened so that they can corroborate your story yeah. if you would ever need to testify, even like if it's in front of a court, if it's in front of like the BYU honor code office, right. like no matter what situation you're in, if you ever need to testify that something happened to someone, there is no suckier feeling yeah. than feeling like you're not believed. Right. And feeling like you're alone mm-hmm. in, in that fight. Exactly. Now, uh, for our listeners, and I guess for my own practice, I want to describe my opinion on the whole Kavanaugh thing. And I'm going to practice the principles we've been talking about. So uh, going back to the acronym STATE, uh, the first letter, S, stands for sharing our facts. So instead of jumping straight to labels and conclusions, I'll start by describing the facts as I saw them. I watched the entire hearing uh, where both Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh testified. I heard both sides of the story and read as much as I could about the two sides. Dr. Ford described in detail uh, the sexual assault that she suffered at the hands of Judge Kavanaugh. And he, in turn, testified that this is not something he would have done. Okay, those are the facts. The second step, the second letter in our handy little acronym, is T. Tell your story, or in other words, describe the story that you have formed based on the facts that you saw. So my story is that I found Dr. Ford's testimony to be heartbreaking, credible, and really worthy of serious examination. And to me, it appeared that Judge Kavanaugh was hostile and rude throughout the hearing. I wasn't convinced by his explanations. If it were up to me, I would not have voted to put Judge Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Now, the third step, the A in the acronym STATE, is asking for others' paths. Now, Morgan, I know that you and I kind of agree on this issue, so I'll ask my listeners here, um, if you saw the facts differently or came to a different conclusion than I did, please let me know, whether in the comments, via email, or by calling in. I'd love to hear from you. And just to finish off the acronym, uh, the T and the E stand for talking tentatively, which I hope I did, and encourage testing. So in that spirit, again, let me know if I missed anything in my assessment. But there you go. That's my stance. And I'll tell you, that's that's really hard to do. It, it takes work to formulate our arguments that way because our instinct, or at least my instinct, is to jump straight to shouting exactly what I think of Brett Kavanaugh but it's so counterproductive to good conversation. In fact, when we were discussing this issue in the office a while ago, I did not handle it well. I turned to mocking and sarcasm when some of the others offered their views in favor of Judge Kavanaugh. It only served to escalate the situation, and it was not a productive conversation at all. But hopefully, as we practice, this will become more second nature, I guess. I know the other kind of issue that people were really concerned with 
in the case of Brett Kavanaugh, is the idea of the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that, especially in reference to sexual assault and sexual crimes. What do you think? Is Is it a fair fear to worry about being falsely accused? I know that it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI has come out with a statistic, and I should go find that exact statistic. Um, but the grand majority of sexual assault allegations are proven to be true. I tried to look it up this morning. It's mm-hmm. between 2% and 10%. That are false? That are false. Mm-hmm. And that's according to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Okay, awesome. But they I'm also said uh, that those numbers were probably inflated. So it's mm-hmm. it's probably in the low, you know, two three percent mm-hmm. of sexual assault accusations that are false. It's it's so low, and and I I do want to also say like the FBI has come out with a statistic saying that like somewhere between sixty to eighty percent of sexual assaults are never even reported. Right. I don't know how you can come up with like a theoretical statistic yeah. like that, but I, I will say that like a huge majority of sexual assaults are never reported to the police, right? Um, because they fall in that gray area yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Bottom line is, I think we need to do a much better job of taking sexual assault allegations seriously. Yeah, it's a. I, I do think that you know it's a very nuanced, difficult. I don't think that like I have like the complete right answer. Like I know of people who were accused of sexual assault and who swore up and down like mm-hmm. that that did not happen. Mm. Um, I've had. People who've perpetrated assault against me swear up and down that what I said happened didn't happen. They literally had no memory of some exact actions that I specified that you did this at this time, then this happened, then you did this, and Mm -hmm. they said that never happened Mm -hmm. to me, to to a person who experienced it. Um, And I know that I'm not crazy and I know that I'm not lying. Mm -hmm. And I'm not over here trying to get them in trouble. I was trying to talk with them about what happened. I do think that a lot of people commit sexual assault and it doesn't register in their brain exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of those getting caught up in the moment things again. Um, So I do think that women need to be believed generally. Um, I don't think that men need to be sentenced or condemned without probable, you know, without more than just uh, circumstantial evidence. Like I do think that there needs to be evidence. I think that's an important distinction when we're talking about Innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. That's kind of referring to throwing them in jail, you know. Yeah. But that's not the only outcome. I mean, you. Yeah. If if you have a neighbor and somebody tells you be careful about them because they sexually assaulted me, you're not going to presume your neighbor innocent until you're given hard hard facts or until they are in jail. You're going to act as if they were just because you're careful. Mm-hmm. Because it's better to be safe than sorry, right? Exactly. And so we're not throwing them in jail without due cause or without due process. But I'll just be really clear here. Here's my candid conclusion on the Brett Kavanaugh case. Um, it was a job promotion, basically, putting him onto the Supreme Court. I do not think innocent until proven guilty applies to job promotions. We're not, we weren't talking about throwing him in jail. We weren't talking about taking him from his family and making him serve a sentence, it was merely, should we promote him to this position? And for me, the allegations were credible enough that I would not, I would not have offered him that promotion, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's my thoughts. My opinion on what happened is I think that he probably has no recollection of it. And I think that she has, I think that she does remember that. I think that, I think that it happened. I think that she was so small and inconsequential to him Mm. in a night of partying and drunkenness that he has no recollection. I know that there are good people who don't deserve to necessarily like have their whole lives ruined Mm-hmm. because of mistakes they make like this that deeply hurt other people and are horrible. Mm-hmm. It is a real, it's it's really hard, at least like in my opinion, it's really hard to make it black and white and say, you know, this person is a monster right. because when they were 18 and they were drunk, they assaulted someone mm-hmm. and they pinned them down and it was awful. Right. It is an awful thing to do. Sometimes normal people make awful decisions. Yeah. I don't think he deserves to be on the Supreme Court. And I think that that trial was too politicized right. for it to ever give justice to anyone. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of what hurts me the most about all of that is she was so inse- inconsequential to him mm-hmm. that he couldn't even remember. And I think that that's what happens in a lot of cases is that there is so much selfishness on one part that in their minds, they're not even assaulting anyone because they're not thinking about the pain that it's causing. They're not thinking about feelings. They're not thinking about consent. So how how can it register in their mind like that it's a rape when to them, they're just having a sexual experience or they're just having fun? Well, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I hope that it came across clearly. And if anybody is especially offended feel free to reach out to me and hopefully I can clarify myself because I'm imperfect and sometimes I say things that are, I didn't mean them that way or they're more nuanced than that. You know, Brene Brown uh, said that when you're trying to have tough conversations, you're going to mess up and you're going to be imperfect at it. But it's important to have the conversations anyway. And that's been, (laughs) it's been really comforting to me as I've done this podcast because I know I'm messing up and I'm still working on this stuff myself. But Mm Um, thank you for being willing to come and have the conversation. Thanks for having me. Um, this is a section I call, I have good news and I have good news. Okay. What is... I like it. Tell me something cool that's going on. I just finished a book that I've been reading Mm -hmm. that, uh, has really changed my life and it's called Sapiens. Oh, cool. Um, I think that it's, if anyone's a close friend with me, they're probably sick of hearing about it, honestly. (laughs) Um, but it's by Yuval Harari. And uh, it basically goes through the history of Homo sapiens as as a species Mm -hmm. and talks some about uh, the other human species that have been on the earth. Mm. Blew my mind. Uh (laughs) Um, I feel like I look at the world completely differently now. And uh, I don't know, it's incredible. I like the other day I went and I looked at like a facial reconstruction of Neanderthals and I just cried Mm. because I don't know, like. Fascinating. I don't know. It just, it just, it, for some reason, it, it was, it was a huge, like, kind of like spiritual, like emotional thing mm. for me to discover. But I don't know. Cool. That changed my life. Very cool. That's your for good mine, news. Uh, my wife and I went to see a movie last night called Peanut Butter Falcon. Ooh, Have I saw, that? I saw the trailer for that. Uh, yeah, we really liked it. It's about a man with Down syndrome. His dream is to become a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. and so he escapes the nursing home where he's being kept, and he goes on kind of this Huckleberry Finn journey with Shia LaBeouf to realize his goal of becoming a pro wrestler. And it was just such a good, feel-good movie. It was great. Just about the importance of everybody. 
yeah. even if they're different, and what they can accomplish. It was really powerful. That's awesome. I love that. I'll say um, it's pretty loose with the language, so there's an advisory there, but mm-hmm. we we loved it. It was That's great. awesome. That's so cool. Last week, the episode was about uh, different news sources and where can we get unbiased news sources. And I asked for some listener input, and we got this call from Brandon. Hi, my name's Brandon. I listen to Young America's Foundation. You know, it's not about Republican, Democrat, um, liberal, left, right, whatever it is, whatever the name is. It's just come. It's just come down to that's the the way that they've spoken truth has resonated with me. That can be found on Facebook if you just look up Young America's Foundation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elephant Dialogues. When it comes time to stand your ground, remember the acronym STATE. This should remind us to share our facts, tell our story, and ask for others' paths. The last two letters remind us to talk tentatively and encourage testing. Thanks again. I'm Bryson Alley, and this is Elephant Dialogues. Subscribe, leave us a review, and join us in our experiment in better conversations. See you next week.